What's going on, 9 a.m.? How are you guys doing? Welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. My name's Josh. I'm so glad that you're joining us here this weekend. Hey, can we give it up for everybody who's watching online? Man, we love you guys. Can't wait for you to be back here in person. Hey, man, isn't it a great weekend? We're starting a brand new series called Voices. I'm so excited to be communicating. But before I dive into my message, I just want to give honor where it's due. See, Pastor TJ and Shayla, we, lo- we love them so much. Do-, do you not love your pastors? You know, TJ and Shayla, we, we met them a little over about eight years ago. And-, and I just remember having some really great conversation with TJ, getting to know him and really really seeing the vision of Coastal Community Church, even just through a conversation with TJ. And so I'm so glad that they took a chance on us. We took a chance in moving here from Northwest Arkansas. A little bit about me and my family. Uh, We are from Arkansas. Bring bring the jokes, all right? Like, I know you got Arkansas jokes for days, but we're from a small town of about 3,000 people, and then we moved to South Florida. Massive, like, totally life-changing culture shock. Um, But let me show you a picture of my family. This is my family. They're awesome. Pray for us. There's four of them and two of us. We're outnumbered. Um, But this is James, Marshall, Nevaeh, and Ember. We love them so much. And man, just so excited for the legacy that God is building at Coastal. Are you guys excited to see some dirt moving? It's going to be an incredible time just seeing God do some incredible things in our church. And so, Pastor TJ and Shayla, thank you guys so much for, for investing in us. Your investment is more than you'll ever know. So let's uh, talk about today, though. Uh, I want to ask you a question. How many of you guys like waiting? Oh, it's so, so everybody's like, oh, I hate waiting. Man, I don't like waiting either. I mean, we do a lot of waiting. We wait in lines. I've, I've figured out that all the lines are bigger here, right? Like, all the lines are bigger, whether you're at line at Walmart there's only like two registers open. There's like 30 available. What is going on? And you wait in traffic, right? Like everybody loves the traffic waiting. You just don't know what to do, right? But I think there's a specific type of waiting that I want to show you guys that makes me have a bit of anxiety. Take a look at the screen. Yeah, right? This is awful. This is the worst type of waiting. Like this is, pers- this is a personal attack, right? You're texting like spouses. Let's, let's talk for a second. So you, you text your boo right? And, you're, and you're, it's something simple. It doesn't even have to be emotional. It's just like, hey, I love you. And then this pops up and you're like, and it just goes forever? Like, what are they saying? <laughs> right? And then it's like, you just keep going. And then boop, it goes away. What does that mean? What does that mean? That, that's like, this is insanity, right? And then it comes back up and you're like, this is a simple, this should be a simple conversation. And honestly, I think when I look at this and I, and I think about, you know, this, this conversations that we've had. By the way, this is the worst form of communication that we have, right? Like, don't text anything emotional because the other person's going to take it the wrong way. I promise you. Every single time. But honestly, I think when I look at this, it kind of reminds me of some of our conversations that we have with God, right? Because we, we text God, we're like, hey, like, we're acting like this is a text conversation, right? And you're, you're, you're texting him something, and, and then that comes up, right? And, and you're just like, what is, take, what is taking him so long? And you're just going, man, why is it so hard to wait? And I think, I think waiting really builds our faith, but I also think it can challenge our faith. So today I want to talk about what it means to wait on purpose with purpose. 
I wanna ask the question, how do we wait on purpose with purpose? If you're taking notes, you can fill in some blanks. We're a note-taking church. And I wanna use a, a, a little illustration for you guys, okay? How many of you guys know what this is? Right? Everybody's like, summer camp, family vacation. Like, you took these, like, we actually bought these, and, and they're disposable. Like, you throw these away. Some of you kids in here are like, what the heck is that? Like, what, what is that thing? Like, you're used to this. But this and this are very different, okay? So I'm going to use an example, okay? We're going to take a selfie, all right? We did this last night. We're going to do this in every service, okay? i got to turn around. All right, everybody smile. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now we have that picture, right? It's right there, Okay. Here's what happens with, I think I wound it, yeah, yeah. So, everybody's like family memories are coming to life right there. So now we're gonna take a picture together with this one. Everybody smile. We have no idea how this is gonna turn out. And you have to like bend your body in a certain way to do this, okay? So we're gonna find out what that is in about three days because here, here's what happens. How many of you guys, how many of you guys remember, where did you go, like shout out, where did you go to get this developed? Walmart, oh my gosh, my, my dad works for Walmart. He's gonna be super happy. So, so you take this to Walmart. This is a 35 millimeter roll. And what happens is you take this to Walmart and you give it to somebody and they develop this film. Did you ever think about like somebody else saw your photos before you did? Like that's kind of, you're like invasive, invasion of privacy. Like somebody else saw these before you did and then you gotta go pick them up. So you just made two trips to get like a few pictures, right? And this holds like how many? Like a ridiculous amount, right? Some of you, I have 10,000 photos in my phone, okay. So what I think is, is very critical to understand is these, these photos, what happens is when you bring them, they actually go into a dark room, okay? And what happens in that dark room is they are developed. So what happens if they're taken out of the dark room too soon? They become overexposed and underdeveloped. And what I think happens for a lot of us is we think, oh, we live in an Instagram world, right? Like everything is instant. Like I, I, I got that picture on my phone, right? I don't have these pictures yet because we live in an Instagram world, but we serve a darkroom God, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it takes a little bit of waiting. It takes a little bit of trust. And so what I wanna talk about today is actually somebody in the Bible who had to do a lot of waiting, and, and this is, a, a, I hope, a different perspective for you in the story of Joseph. We're gonna be looking at the life of Joseph, and I wanna give you kind of Joseph's highlight reel. We're not gonna, we're not gonna go into the 13 chapters that is Joseph's life. I would love to go through all of them today, but we don't have time. So I wanna give you kind of like his Facebook or like Instagram highlight reel. So Joseph, Joseph was actually the favorite child of his father, Jacob. And Jacob ends up giving this, this, this coat of many colors, right? Like he's the favorite. Any favorite child, favorite children in the room? Yeah. Wow, there's so many of you. Everyone's like, it's me. <laughs> Got that coat sitting at home. Didn't want didn't to bring it to church. That's a little, you know. So he, he has this coat. He's, he's like, man, I'm the favorite. And he starts getting these dreams and these visions from God. Well, his brothers don't really like that. And so what happens is his brothers actually fake his death and his father, Jacob, is like devastated. But his brothers actually sell him and traffic him into the land of Egypt. And so now he's a slave and he's having to wait. He's like, man, what is going on? Like my life just changed dramatically and all I did was like change my wardrobe, <laughs> right? So then he, he becomes a slave, but 
because of his character and because of what God is doing in his life, he's having to trust God quite a bit. And a really high-ranking official in Egypt named Potiphar ends up taking him into his home and he becomes like a slave or, or a servant in the house of Potiphar, which is a big deal. So he's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I got my outfit changed. Okay, I'm, I guess this is different now. And what ends up happening is because the Bible actually says that Joseph is attractive. And so Potiphar's wife, Hotifer, we're gonna call her Hotifer. She actually, yeah, Hotifer, right? That's a great name. We, it doesn't really mention her name. So that's just what we're gonna call her. So Hotifer takes notice of him and actually tries to get him to come to bed with him. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. And again, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He resists temptation and flees. And you would think by doing the right thing, like things would go well for him. Well, no, the master actually goes, oh man, you tried to, you tried to sexually assault my wife. And so he ends up going into prison. Well, now he's got prison clothes on. Life has changed again dramatically. And he's having to wait in the deepest, darkest dungeon, trying to figure out what God is doing in his life. So fast forward a few years, he again has the opportunity to actually interpret some dreams of some other high-ranking officials in Egypt. Got, these guys actually served Pharaoh at one point, but they were imprisoned. Then he's, he basically goes, hey, remember me, because you're gonna actually get out of here, and you're gonna go to Pharaoh. I need you to remember me. Well, they don't. More waiting. And he waits for about two more years until this official goes, hey, Pharaoh is actually experiencing a dream of seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And this is where we're gonna kind of pick up because what happens is Joseph actually gets out of prison and becomes second in command of all of Egypt. Again, another wardrobe change, more waiting, right? Joseph did a lot of waiting. And I think there's some critical things that we can learn from Joseph. So I wanna take you to uh, a scripture here in just a second, Genesis 41. You can start to go there in your Bible, maybe you have your Bible app. But I wanna remind you of something. This is really, really critical. God can raise up righteousness out of darkness, right? He can raise up righteousness out of darkness because remember, we serve a dark room God, right? So I wanna read through a little bit of Genesis today, starting in verse 56. It says, the famine grew worse and spread over the whole country. How many of you guys kind of relate to that? Like, like we're in some pretty tumultuous times right now. So Joseph opened up the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. People came to Egypt from all over the world to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. So what we're seeing here is a taste of God's promise that he actually gave to Abraham. See, Abraham was given this promise that God would bless the descendants of Abraham, and he's starting, you're starting to see some of this through the life of Joseph. And what Joseph did was he actually didn't just sit around for the seven years of plenty. We're gonna look at that a little bit later. He was a good steward of that time. And I think a lot of times, again, we, we get so frustrated with the waiting process that we don't realize like God's trying to do something in us in the waiting. So I wanna, I wanna go through, again, how do we wait on purpose with a purpose. I think there's three key things that we can take from the life of Joseph today, starting with number one, we need to expect opposition. Not fun, right? Like the first, that's kind of a letdown. You're like, oh man, I thought it was gonna be something good and then like expect opposition. Dang it. Okay, but let's look at some of the opposition that Joseph expected because in Genesis 39, we're going, we're gonna talk about Hotifer again. I know everybody was like, what happened with her? Like she was crazy, right? So in verse 19, it says, she caught him by his robe and said, 
come to bed with me. Very persistent. But he escaped and ran outside, leaving his robe in her hand. Joseph's master was furious and had Joseph arrested and put in the prison where the king's prisoners were kept. And there he stayed. But the Lord was with. I need you to underline that word with, circle it, highlight it, whatever. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about that. Joseph, he was with Joseph and blessed him so that the jailer was pleased with him. He put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and made him responsible for everything that was done in the prison. The jailer did not have to look after anything for which Joseph was responsible because the Lord was with, again, underline that word, with Joseph and made him succeed in everything that he did. And what's interesting is this same thing is said about him when he takes over as second in command of Egypt. What, like, isn't that insane how his attitude in the deepest, darkest place was once he was brought out into the light, his attitude was the same because he was developed. He wasn't underdeveloped and he didn't become overexposed. He, be, he was ready to go through that process of waiting on the Lord's timing. So I need you to get this. I need you to like literally, can you guys like lean in? Lean in for me, like physically lean in for me, okay? Remember this, if the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. If the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert, be on watch. The enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So notice, if, can you throw that verse up on the screen? Oh, it's right here. So it says he's roaming around like a roaring lion. This is a counterfeit of what God wants you to experience in life. It doesn't say he's the roaring lion. In fact, the roaring lion is actually the lion of Judah, which is Jesus Christ. This is, he, he's trying to distract you. He wants to destroy you, but he's gonna do everything he can to distract you. So don't miss, don't miss that in this moment. I, I saw this guy describe it like this. Can you throw that meme up on the screen? It's not spiritual attack, you just made bad choices. Right, I hear so many people come up to me and they're like, man, I just feel like I'm under this spiritual attack. And that may be true. I think there are instances where, man, like we're, our circumstances are crazy. We're going, man, like the, the enemy is just after me. And man, if you're following hard after God, the target on your back is so big. But here's the thing. I think we need to take some personal responsibility when we make some bad choices. We need to realize and recognize that some of our choices are not in line with God's plans and his promises and the truth of his word. So was it the devil or was I just hungry? Right, hangry? Was it the devil or was I just distracted? Was I just vulnerable in that moment? Was I just lazy? Come on, somebody. You know, you, you know when you get lazy, you don't, make bad, you don't make good decisions, you make poor decisions, right? It says in, uh, hold on, one second. I didn't turn my page. It says in first, uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Like, it's coming. It's just a matter of time. And then it says, and this is the hope we find in Jesus. It says in John 16.33b, it says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We sang earlier, I've overcome, and I know that I'm gonna overcome because you've overcome. We've got to remember that when we get distracted in life, there's a hope that we have in Jesus. We've gotta go back to his truth. 
We've gotta recognize that, man, there's gonna be some opposition in life and we've gotta be ready for that, especially in the waiting. If we're gonna wait on purpose with a purpose, we've gotta recognize that there's gonna be some pushback in that. The enemy is after us. So let's, let's move on to number two. We're gonna seize opportunity. And I think Joseph did this really, really well. I think he was really good at recognizing the distractions of the enemy, but I also think he was really good at seizing opportunity. It says in Genesis 41, 46 through 49, it says Joseph was 30 years old when he began to serve the king of Egypt. This is after he's, he's a slave as a young teenager, and now he's 30 years old having been in jail. He's just kind of starting to get all this responsibility. It says he left the king's court and traveled all over the land during the seven years of plenty, and the land produced abundant crops, all of which Joseph collected and stored in the cities. In each city, he stored the food from the fields around it, and there was so much grain that Joseph stopped measuring it, and it was like the sea of the sand. Like, how many of you guys want just unlimited resources like that? You're just like, I don't even have to count it anymore. He was a good steward. The reason that God blessed him was because he looked at the situation he was in, he saw the opportunity, but he knew what was coming. He's like, man, I've got seven years to prepare for another seven years of extreme famine, possible economic collapse, but that didn't happen because the land of Egypt was actually overrun with people because they were like, man, I know this guy Joseph has been preparing this. And I think a lot of times in life, we need to recognize that within the opposition that we experience, that there is a hidden opportunity. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 16, and 17, be very careful then how you live. Like we can't just live frivolously. It says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Like aren't we in some very confusing days right now? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We've got to go and seek out the will of God in our life, okay? It says, uh, Leonard Ravenhill says this, we, you've, we've used this quote many, many times. It says, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Like when an opportunity presents itself, there's a window of time, and that window of time gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So we've got to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us. And then number three, remain open. We've got to remain open. I think so many times in life, as we're waiting and we're trying to figure out what the purpose of that waiting is, we get so frustrated. Like, how, how many of you guys, like, when you're waiting, you just kind of, like, pace? You're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, and you're just, like, talking under your breath and just like, God, and you just kind of, like, start throwing a fit. And you're just like, man, what is the purpose in this? But have you ever realized that waiters at restaurants, what do they do? They're not, they're not all frustrated they're waiting on you, actually. They might be frustrated, but they're not, they're not showing it. At least not a good, a good waiter's not showing it. But what do they do? They are open. How can I serve you? I think a lot of times as we're waiting on God, what we forget is that getting closer to the Lord looks like serving him, right? If we would just stop for a minute, take the focus off of our frustration, and maybe realize that somebody else might be pretty frustrated and realize that you're not alone, that you need to be in community, I think one of the best ways that you can start doing that is by getting on one of our dream teams. Like start serving somebody else, working, helping them work through your pain. You're gonna see really quickly that other people are waiting on something that God wants to do in their life. They might be confused and you might actually be the catalyst conversation for them to start experiencing God in their life. 
I think it's so important that we have to remain open. It says uh, this about Joseph in Genesis 41. It says, the king and his officials approved this plan and he said to them, we will never find a better man than Joseph, a man who has God's spirit in him. I don't know about you, but I want, I want to be recognized like that. You've heard us say, if any, of, if any of you have been in DNA or spent time with me or any of our staff, you're going to hear us say that you need to be spirit-filled so that you can be spirit-led. Like, it's so important that we wake up in the morning, we spend time with God, and we seek his will for our life. Chuck Swindoll says this. He says, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Man, that's, that's kind of frustrating to hear, right? You're like, oh, man, that's a lot on me. There's so much pressure. But it's so true. We can either sit around and let things happen to us, or we can realize that, man, God is so faithful to answer us. And, and, and listen, if you have questions for God, he wants your questions. He's probably the best, he is the best person that you can go to when you have big questions in life. And, and I'll never forget, I, I was asking a big question in my life uh, very recently. In 2019, my wife and I decided, you know what? God had put a dream in our heart that we were supposed to be foster parents. We, we were talking about this when we were dating. And we got licensed as foster parents in 2019. And when you go through these foster care classes, what, what it seems like is you're gonna get your license and then it's like an Amazon Prime delivery, like a kid's just gonna show up two or three days later, right? Now you can get it same day. I mean, like, it's, it's crazy. But we kind of, we kind of were like, okay, that was, that was a little bit of the expectation. How many of you guys have had unmet expectations before? Okay, so, so we started, you know, we were in this waiting process. We didn't really know what it was gonna look like. And so we waited for about a week, and we're like, okay, that's probably normal. 30 days, we're like, okay, uh, I would have thought something would have happened in the first 30 days, but I guess we'll wait more. 60 days, 90 days, and we're just like, man, what is going on? Like, now we start lying to ourselves, right? We start going, oh man, we must be bad parents. Like, we must, we must be not fit to do this. But I remember sitting in this room in morning prayer and, and really just asking God these big questions. Like, God, what, what did I miss? Like, what did I miss? Because nothing's happening right now. I actually, before that, I actually called Kevin Enders, the CEO of Four Kids, and I just was like, man, I'm so frustrated. I just want to quit. And he goes, man, thank you so much for not quitting. And I was like, I guess I'm not quitting. <laughs> like, how convincing you are. So I, I just started praying, going, God, like, what did I miss? And I remember him asking me this question. He said, why are you limiting my capacity in your life? Why are, you, why are you limiting my capacity? I didn't really know what that meant, so I, I, I was like, well, well, God, we, we, got, we got licensed to foster zero to four-year-olds, and we only were gonna take one child. So are you asking me to take more than one kid? And he said, why are you limiting my capacity? Just like Jesus, right? Jesus just, when you ask him a question, he's like, hey, I have a question for you too. So I just said, okay, Lord, I, don't, I, I, think, I think you're asking me to just be more open. You're asking me to remain open, kind of put my plans aside, but still remember that there's this calling on my life that, you, that, you've, that you've called me and my family to. So, so what happened is I said, all right, I'm doing the math here, Lord, and I've got two five-passenger vehicles, which means if there's gonna be six people in my family, we're gonna have to go take two cars wherever we go. It's gonna be like camping. <laughs> like, we're gonna have to take so much stuff. Like, I just, God, if you can provide a minivan, paid for in full, I will, I will be obedient. Whatever you ask. 
Like, I want it, guys, here's the deal. This is like a dream come true for me. I wanted a minivan when we got married. I was like, hey, we're gonna need it. Like, let's just get one, but Andrea said no. So about a week later, guess what? Somebody calls us and says, hey, do you need a minivan? Like, isn't that just like God? Right, he's, he's, I've, I heard somebody say one time, he's rarely early, but he's always on time. It's God's timing, it's not our timing. And we won't even go into the, the way, more, there was more waiting after that. There was another three to four months that was a mountain of paperwork. There was, there was so much, there were all these Zoom calls, because so now we're in 2020 and the world's falling apart. We're like, I guess we're still doing this. But can I tell you that the day that we adopted them, the day that we adopted them, Everything made sense. Everything just came together because there was purpose in our waiting. We were waiting on purpose with a purpose. It was not easy. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because I do not have this figured out, okay? I'm still learning this over and over, but I think it's really, really critical that this is, my last, this is one of my last things I wanna get you guys to, to, to understand. You've got to remember your why. Remember your why. I think in those moments, it's so easy for us to forget why we're doing what we're doing and who called us to what we're doing. I think it's so critical that we have to remember our why because, I, again, this is something that Joseph's story taught me. He always was remembering, okay, this is what God's calling me to. If I'll just trust him and, and see that he is with me. We're gonna go back to that. You guys remember, we, we underlined that word with, right? What's interesting is that word with comes up a lot in Joseph's story, and it's not like uncommon for the Bible to say that God was with somebody, but if you do a little bit more digging into that word with and the context in which it's speaking, what you'll understand is that it was an up close and personal with. It wasn't like God was sitting in the background going, hey, I got you, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really right next to you. We, we know that God is omnipresent, but he's so close and up close and personal with us because he wants a relationship. Like Joseph was confident. He may have not have started out confident. In fact, he started out pretty overconfident in himself. But what he realized is, man, if I'm gonna survive, I've gotta be fully with God. And what, what happens is a lot of times we want God to move in our direction, but we wanna stay right where, we're, where we are. We just wanna stay put. But what I think is so critical about Joseph's life is that he chose to be in God's presence and invite him into his situation on a daily basis because otherwise he's not gonna survive. My last point for you is this. God wants to fill you so he can focus you. Remember, the devil wants to destroy you so he'll distract you, but God wants to fill you so he can focus you. Like, do you understand that when Jesus left this earth, he said, I'm leaving you with someone even greater than I. We, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us if we'll just choose to accept Jesus into our life. And, and I know some of you are probably sitting in here going, but, but Josh, you don't know my situation. You don't know how long I've been waiting. And you're right, I, I don't know how long you've been waiting. But let me ask you a question. How has your heart been in that waiting process? Have you been frustrated? Have you been constantly questioning, but questioning to the wrong people? Have you been constantly going, man, I'm just in so much pain and that's all you can focus on? Can I challenge you today that maybe today is the day in all of that waiting that you've been brought here with a purpose for a purpose?
Maybe today is the day that you need to surrender your life to the one who has always been in the waiting, but you've just never realized it. I wanna invite you into that relationship with Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe that's you. Maybe you walked in here going through a ton of pain, going through a ton of questioning in life. What I would challenge you today in, and ask yourself this, do I have a relationship with the one who's always been there in the waiting? Maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus before, but you felt like you just kind of walked away and got distracted. And that's okay, we all get distracted. But I wanna make sure that you have an opportunity here today to respond to the one who's always been there waiting for that response. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe that's you and, and you, wanna, you wanna give your life to Jesus today. I'm not talking about rules, I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about this up close and personal with you always, Jesus, the savior, the one who took your punishment on the cross. If that's you here today and you wanna do that, you wanna surrender your life with every head bowed and every eye closed, you slip up your hand. I would love to pray with you on the count of three. One, two, three. Don't miss your moment. Maybe you're watching online. If you just put a hand in the, the chat, if you'll just say this prayer out loud as, in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to transform me from the inside out. I realize that you are with me, up close and personally with me. I know that I'm not gonna do this perfect, but I ask you to come into my life Change me from the inside out. I recognize that you died on the cross for my sin, but then you rose three days later, overcoming death, hell, and the grave so that I could have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. I choose to make you my Lord and my Savior today. I love you with all my heart. Come into my life, rule and reign. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.